and it's about time for true crime hi hey uh, how are you doing so good it feels so good to be back in the swing of recording things absolutely how the hell are you i am doing just lovely thank you and how are you guys are you let me guess driving no it's all right we'll wait doing chores are you um hanging out with your friends and you're like you gotta listen to this true crime podcast mm. When we were painting my house, <laughs> all we listened to were true crime podcasts. It's and truly, true. it was the only thing that got me through because I would look at a room and be like, this is going to take forever. <laughs> I know. And then we'd like throw on a series, like a long multi-parter of something like our <clears throat> Keith Raniere and Nexium one, if you were interested in that. Just saying. Um, but we did. We listened to so much of it. I think that's what got us. Well. I can't speak for you for your entire house. I helped with some of it, but not the whole thing. But for me, oh, that was the taping. That's the only way I got through all that tape. No, it, the taping is oh. the worst because the painting isn't that bad. It's the prep for it and making yeah. sure the walls are clean and doing that. And there were a lot of work that we had to do on these walls before we put paint on them. Yeah. But knowing I had, like, I love a good two, three, four part series on a case yes. because I love a super deep dive. I don't really care for like a quick 20 minute episode and i think they have their their place yeah but i think the way my phone goes and everything it's like if i download a few of those and one finishes it doesn't go right to the next one so it's not as seamless so if i'm driving i rarely have under a 20 minute drive yeah so i don't want to have to like fuck around with it to put something else on i just want to put it on listen for the whole time i'm driving and then look forward to the next time i'm getting into the car to hear the rest of it well and for me the short ones are like am i going to get interested in this case and if i'm interested if that peaks it i'm going to find something further that's not going to be like the end of what i listen to right. on that thing and sometimes i think it can do depending on the case a disservice yeah yeah to th- the you know to the store like to the facts of it so i think that it depends on what that's going to look like too well and you know we didn't even plan this this is foreshadowing great by the way but um oh i think that when you have an episode that short you can miss a lot of the really important details that aren't like necessarily action details it's not like and then he did this and then he did that but like the why the how yeah because it's not everything is the if it bleeds it leads like right. there's some of the less gory yeah action filled pieces of it that yeah. are just as important but how is that foreshadowing for what you're going to talk about today oh hell yeah yeah well fuck yeah then tell me about it um maybe in like a minute i kind of want to oh. hang out and say hey to the guys it's been oh. a while well last week we like took we like went right into it that's true so i mean this We'll get into it soon, but just like, how are you? How are you doing? I, I got to check in on that weird coworker. Do they still smell? How's your mom? Uh, Mine still does. So yeah. I smell fucking great. Thanks. Mm. Um. <laughs> That's your opinion. That's your opinion. So I guess I can get into the context as to how I got started with this case. Okay. Fill me which, in. howdy, hey, hey, you party people. Oh, party people. Today, we are going to talk about some dark and depressing Russian shit. Ooh. Before we get too deep into any part of this case, I do just want to say, like, right off the bat, this has nothing to do with any of the current events going on in Russia, nor do I want this to be considered a vote of support or indifference. Just throwing that out there. Um, This story is too fucked up to pass up on, and also I think it's really interesting, and also um, it's fucked up, but it's not the same kind of, like kick you in the next bit on your face fantastic in the words of the great philosopher rachel green um as <laughs> ali's last two-parter so i thought this might be a little <laughs> more levity <laughs> if you will all right now i want to set the stage for you oh please do i love criminal minds yes i love matthew gray gubbler bless up he's got biking energy he is not bi um okay I but shamar more love shamar more i love shamar so much that my mom in college would send me little gifts of shamar more and be like shamar says good morning and i was like oh. very sweet mrs apple dabbleson mrs apple dabbleson you're so cute um he you don't was send me shamar more gifts. <laughs> saying i hope he hopes i have a good day he was in my um celebrity crush powerpoint that i made for my birthday a few years back i do remember that he's had plenty of honorable mentions love him so much 
That being said, the first ever Criminal Minds I watched. Mm. And you know, there's nothing quite like the first true crime thing that gets you hooked where you're like, oh, what the fuck? And you need to know more. Yeah. Well, obviously, Criminal Minds is like fiction. So it's not like I could like go dig deep. But it was the summer. I was in high school. I was up late. It was dark. I think I was either like probably not home alone, but maybe my dad was like playing a gig or something and people were out, right? George Lopez wasn't quite on yet. Not yet. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but it was hot. I was sprawled out on the couch, probably had like a fan on like, oh my God. <sighs> so hot. The freeze pop. The yellow ones are the best. Oh, really? I'm a blue freeze pop girly. Blue is good. See, it depends. If it's the light yellow, I'll mm. fuck it up. If it's the dark yellow for some reason, not so much. And I Pee? forget the difference. Yeah, kind of <laughs> a little, but the green, no, and the orange, forget about oh, it. No. Never been into it. Um, orange and red are my two least favorites. See, I like the red ones. Uh, depending on what it is, cherry, I don't like. If it's strawberry, I'm usually good with it. But for me, the order goes blue and pink are ranked top tier. Oh my god, I forgot about pink. I love pink freeze pops. Anyway, this does not have anything to do with the story. You're right. Sorry, it's hot. You're sprawled. I got a pink you freeze have a pop. Blue or pink, probably yeah, freeze pop. Uh, yep. Maybe I'm double fisting. I don't know. Oh my god! I was god, going you wild, bitch. <laughs> so I had the TV on. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch a Criminal Minds. That sounds interesting. I'll watch that. I put it on. Do you want to know what episode it was? Yes. It was the episode, and I've seen all of these like multiple times. So when I say the episode, just no, I unfortunately know the repertoire. Um, <laughs> it is the episode where this guy turns living people into marionette dolls. Oh, ew. The music in that episode mm-hmm. was so the creepy. The music's creepy. He literally doesn't kill them. They end up dying. He's like a process over product guy. Oh, so, I like, hated that he so He wanted them to be his living dolls. So he would like break their limbs. He'd like attach them to strengths to date creepiest criminal minds i've ever seen that i've seen the whole thing bad intro it to was criminal minds awful intro but it is seared in my brain oh uh, if you can't tell <laughs> oh i hate everything about that literally if i could hear that music right now yeah it would send shivers i don't know what it yeah. is they i mean they got the desired effect i guess but it it pushed like yes. it was bad anyway, it was sorry. borderline too much for me at 15 um, yeah i can understand that <laughs> so I wanted to set that as a scene. So since then, I've always been interested in like weird doll related crime. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, this is fucked up. What's the purpose? What's the point? The, you know, is it a product? Is it the process? What are the what's the actual mattering here? What do sure. people care about? So stick that in your back pocket. All right. In my pocket. Now, as always, a big old trigger warning. Um, but this week is a little different. Okay. This week's trigger warning has to deal with um, post-mortem, what I would call inappropriateness, uh, possibly <laughs> necrophilia, um, and also a bunch of other icky shit. All right. Okay? Okay. Um, now, our foreshadowing moment. I heard this first on Crime Hub podcast, and the actual episode, I think, was only like 20 minutes long, maybe 30. But it was enough to get you into it. I was there you go. into it. And then I said, you know what? I got to learn a lot more about that, like, stat. I love when we do that. <laughs> so the sources that I used to take a page out of your book included that Crime Hub podcast. It is actually the episode called The Dollmaker Anatoly Moskvin. I also listened to Let's Get Haunted podcast episode Let's 48. Let's Get Haunted. I like that. Um, and also, you guys, I do want to make it known. I did have to translate a few articles in Russian to learn more about this. So I believe my translation was pretty good. But in the event that I, I get a little shabby on a detail or two, I'm blaming it on Google Translate and the fact that I only took three semesters of college Russian. You mean you just can't speak fluently after that? Yeah. Then why well, the fuck are we sitting here? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I am also going to blame that on the concussion that I got immediately in the middle of all of that. But <laughs> I do. I can't remember how to read it, which I'll take. Mm, yep. It's a win for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I want to take us to Russia. It's fascinating. It's morbid. And before we get too deep into this we're going to talk about a little girl named olga 
Okay, Olga. Okay. Hey, Olga. Do we like Olga? Yeah. Hi, Olga. Olga Chardimova was born in Russia in 1992 to her parents, Natalia and Igor Chardimova. From all I can see, she was a very typical Russian girl. Her parents worked, she went to school, and she was just doing what she could. So come 2002, Olga's 10 years old. And she has finally convinced her parents to let her go to her babushka's house on her own. She just wants to see babushka. Yeah. Um, Her babushka just lives a block away. All she has to do is go down her elevator, out the lobby, and like literally one street over, her babushka's house is there. I love babushkas. Um, Also, for those of you uh, who are Russian speakers, it would be the babushka's doma. But anyway, that's really the extent of what I remember from Russian. (laughs) (laughs) So she was like, "Ugh, mom, dad, I'm 10 already. I can go by myself. I'm like basically an adult now. Yeah. So so I'm not your little girl anymore. Um, That's your dream, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So let me walk to Babushka's house, damn it. Um, (laughs) So her parents are finally like, yeah, you know what? Fine. Yes, you're right. It's not that far. You can go. And I'm assuming it's like the summer, maybe a summer break from school. But Olga's parents go to work in the morning and she not long after follows to go to her babushka's house. Um, by the way, she is taking her favorite green bag and blue umbrella. For those of you wondering. Oh, now when Olga got down to the lobby of the apartment building that she lived in, a man forced her back upstairs to rob her. Oh. Um, he took her earrings, and because she tried to escape, he hit her over the head with a metal bar. That is terrifying. She's 10 years old. Yeah. She's a baby. Yes. Oh. Now, when Olga's parents got home, they couldn't find her body anywhere. In fact, nobody could. It would be five more months before any of Olga's remains were found. Oh, she died? Yes. She's only 10. Yes. And she just wants to see Babushka. Yeah. Yeah. That's Olga. Oh, but that's so pure. It's not like she was... No, she just... Wanted to go see Grandma. She tried to escape a robbery, and that was it. Ugh. It's fucked up. They lived in her building. That's terrifying. Presumably, yeah. Ugh. So... I mean, again, nobody knew this. We know this in retrospect, but at the time, it was just like, where did my child go? I assume she's dead, but where is my child? You know? Ooh, that's really morbid to just assume she's dead. Well, I think after you get to five months in Russia in the early 2000s, you might not be super... uh, Optimistic. Optimistic. I get it. I know. So, they did find her remains. This, I'm going to throw a little trigger warning in there because I think it's kind of icky, but um, they had been discarded uh, down to her umbrella with just a few bits wedged behind some pipes in the apartment complex's attic. Parts of her body? Yes. Ooh, so she's dismembered. Presumably. Ooh. Um, Again, a lot of this is in Russian. (laughs) Yes. I assume that's what happened. Otherwise, it is like her body and also things she had with her. But they were sort of discarded behind some pipes and the wall in the complex attic. And people didn't really go up there. It's not like it was storage for people. Mm -hmm. So on October 2nd, 2002, at just 10 years old, Olga Chardimova was buried with both of her parents surviving. Now, we're going to fast forward a few months to early May of 2003. Natalia and Igor had decided to put up a fence around Olga's grave. Mm. They came back the day after first putting it up, and they were going to paint it, but something felt off, okay? Like a wreath that they had put up either on the grave site or, like, on the head plate or maybe on the fence. It had been moved. And not moved like, oh, a gust of wind came and, like, like, knocked it over. Like, it was placed somewhere else. Which just left them feeling really eerie and not good. Yeah, I can see that. And that began a long and tumultuous torment that Natalia and Igor Chardimova faced for the next nine years. Mm. See, after that wreath, 
letters started to pop up. That's as long as she was alive, basically. Yeah. Oh, these letters were signed D.A., which I read into. And I suppose I, I don't know if it was elongated and then shortened or if this is a commonly known acronym for what would have translated to kind angel, if you will. Mm hmm. But these letters addressed Olga as little lady and always were kind to her. Um, in fact, they were so kind that it would remember like her birthday, things like that. Mm. However, they were increasingly threatening to Natalia and Igor, including one letter that told them if they didn't put up a big monument for Olga like she deserved, that the kind angel writing these notes would dig her up her body and move her remains. What the f- fuck so natalia has gone on to say that these letters were like a spear to the heart and that's a quote um she and igor became increasingly scared to find letters on olga's grave because without a doubt every holiday every last day of school each year every birthday there would always be a letter that hurts my heart. The writer of these letters even included momentous occasions that would have occurred if Olga was still alive. Like, happy last month of the sixth grade. Oh. Yes. So when the letter that included the essential blackmail to build a monument, Natalia and Igor did put up a headstone on the plot, like was asked. I assume it was like a bigger headstone because it was not an unmarked grave. But brokenhearted, horrified, and defeated, Natalia and Igor go to the police. Mm. They're like, um, a big fat what the fuck. They didn't say that. I did. Um, <laughs> but with no indication of who's leaving the letters and a trail gone cold, either due to lack of resources, effort, or ability, there was little the police could, could do, honestly. All that Natalia and Igor got from them was word from the police that if they ran into whoever was writing these letters, they could, quote unquote, do whatever you want to this barbarian. We won't object. All right. It's like Bert Kreischer and he goes, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like literally. Like, Which like, maybe that's something. That's maybe. not how you do things. No, though. no. Mm. So also, if I may. Natalia and Igor separated for a time. And by the way, it is very normal for the loss of a child to absolutely demolish a relationship. Oh, I think there's there's some stat of like 80% of marriages yeah. after the loss of a child end in divorce. Yeah. They just, you can't handle it. Well, and depending on how you react, I think you need a good amount of balance without it being entirely polar opposites. Oh, it's so hard. But anyway... To their freaking credit, Igor and Natalia worked through what they needed to, and they got back together 14 months later. Mm. And they had another son, Alexei, who was doing quite well. So they had a child after. Yes. Okay. Um, by the way, that is the little silver lining to this big fat gray cloud. Mm. So years went on. Again, this harassment took place for nine years, almost as long as Olga was alive. Until one day in 2011, the kind angel of a monster was caught. Mm. We're going to leave Natalia and Igor there. Okay. So, if you will, we're going to travel back in time to Soviet Russia. I've always wanted to time travel. Gorky, Russia, to be exact. In 1966-ish. Now, I want to just take a few moments to talk about sort of the social political climate in Russia at the time, because it's Soviet Union days, right? Obviously, I wasn't there, um, but I know from having grown up in the U.S. that there were a few things going on between the U.S. and Russia, first of which being the Red Scare, and where it was pretty much um, every country, and especially the USA, against communism, I know America was on the better dead than red side of the debate, the USSR being on the better red than dead side of that said mm -hmm. debate. Um, that being said, I also know we had the space race going on, that huge mm -hmm. competition between the countries to see who could fucking get to the moon first because they were like, this is an important, you know, use mm -hmm. of our time and resources. Sputnik. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> 
um fuck that beach fuck that beach this is russia and you know who got out there first the ussr but you know who got a man on the moon first we us did, and with that we pretty much were like okay no take backs um it's over we're yeah. done <laughs> hey, go fuck yourself <laughs> The USSR is an incredibly interesting point in history for a plethora of reasons. But fun fact, while I was looking this up, I found an incredibly interesting video on daily life in the USSR. You know, to understand. (laughs) But actually, I learned that Pepsi was in Russia like 21 years before McDonald's and 16 before Coke. Pepsi is like in Russia, which is interesting. And I had, like, the weirdest deja vu learning that. So that was a fun fact for you all. <laughs> I was like, wait, I knew this somehow. Oh, my God. Did I learn it in Russian or am I magic? We don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I prefer to think you're magic, but. Me too. Um, concussion who? We remember everything. <laughs> who is she? <laughs> I also wanted to mention that there were some relatively good values that were tried to be installed in the people growing up in the USSR. First, Russia took great pride in its workforce and ethic, although I think all things come best in moderation, and I don't agree with having children working, I think it's actually pretty good to culturally praise hard work. Second, are there still communists then? Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like... Communism isn't so much about people not working, it's everybody working together collectively for the whole. So, like, right. you're not working just for you. You're working for your babushka. You're working for your family, for your friends. And so it was, like, super well commended to work because not only did you gain from it, but everybody gained from it. In theory, it sounds so good. It does. In it's, practice? Again. Horrible. <laughs> the moderation piece. They had children working. There wasn't regulations. There was a stat that said it took a man 10 hours longer in Russia to earn his dinner than it did anyone in america yeah because you weren't earning it for you you were earning it for everyone strangers that yeah not everyone's working as hard as you bud it makes you not want to work hard so i think that that was i mean i understand that there are values here that make sense that people are trying to enforce even if in practice it wasn't all it's chalked up to be second um similarly russians were on team russia Part of communism, again, is that collectivism, that learning to value the community over just one person, which to, again, a certain extent, I agree with. I think you should have pride and faith in your community, you know? Um, Now, do I love how the Soviet Union did it? Absolutely not. But it's just worth mentioning that I think collectivism isn't a bad trait. And now... I'm grateful to live in a time and a place where I could revel in childhood and curiosity and not have to wake up at 10 to go to work or take care of my dying family. I think the downsides and the downfall to a lot of the communism pieces that we're looking at here is the absolute lack of any moderation, of any controls, of any regulation. There's so much suffering. There's so much hurt. There's so much devastating pain in the USSR. So while there are some redeeming values, I don't think that those actually outweigh any of the negatives. They're so minute that, yeah, it makes zero difference in the end. So it's all bad. Life in the Soviet Union was tough, obviously, as to be expected. I mean, I think growing up, some main elements of life we heard about in the U.S. about how poor everyone was within the USSR, um, we heard a lot of it. And one part of history books that actually always stood out to me was how long the freaking bread lines were. Mm -hmm. You'd have to stand in line for line, like stand in line to get a ticket to stand in line to use that ticket to get bread. Yeah, but it also, you could work 10 hours and someone else could work six, but if you're still only getting that one ticket at the end of the day, yeah, why are you going to work 10 tomorrow? And so, actually, in the Romanov episode, we talked about this. There are a lot of fucking famines in Russia. Why? It's big. It's cold. It's dark. What the fuck is going to grow there it's besides not, potatoes for his vodka? It's like, not great soil. <laughs> no. And also... That same thing that makes it a downfall for eating food and like, I don't know, surviving in Russia off the land is also what made it impossible to conquer. So fun fact for history buffs. <laughs> yes. That being said, um, 
obviously the famines did not stop with the czar ships they continued far after and it continued through the ussr and in fact it was so difficult to get any food that even well-off students in like the 1960s studying abroad were constantly exhausted just from the difficulties of having to exist by the end of the USSR, times were so tough that the Soviets simply stopped collecting information on the poor, insisting that it didn't exist. Um, it's one of those, like, if we don't collect the stats, it's not real. Yeah. Eh, no real. You just are incredibly poorly informed. Um, yet when confronted with the idea of soup kitchens for the poor, they said, and I quote, we are opposed to this system where poor people get free dinner. Psychologically, it is a strange idea to us. So obviously Soviet Russia was simply not a great place to live if you weren't in the highest realms of power and prominence. Correct. So it should come as no surprise then that in the USSR, and life is hard, cultural norms of starting to work so young were really, really enforced. There was no childhood. There was no playing outside with chalk. There was no hopscotch with your friends or playing tea party with your dad. It was the second you could work, you were working. And if you weren't working, you were taking care of your elderly, sick family members because eight generations lived in one home. Not eight. You know what I mean? That'd no, be I know a freaking scientific miracle. But no, like, I know what you mean. There's a lot of people that you're all taking care of. So if someone found that they were great at something early on in life and they could go far in a profession, that wasn't super common. So people seized that opportunity. Like if I'm seven and I'm fucking great at astrophysics, which I don't know a seven-year-old that's great at astrophysics, but for my example, you know, that's what I'm going to do, whether or not I like it, because it's the best chance at survival mm -hmm. for me and my family. Now, this is like our young man, Anatoly Moskvin. By the way, I know that the pronunciation properly is Anatoly Moskvin, but um, as me, I will be saying Anatoly. So just so you know. Um, <laughs> he had so much of the work ethic that was driven into him from such a young age. Now, Anatoly was born in 1966 in the Soviet city Gorky, Russia. Today, it's actually the city of Nizhny Novgorod, which is actually one of Russia's most populated cities, with a population of over one million people. Hmm. It is situated in East Russia, but still west of Moscow. Anyhow, Anatoly grew up to be a particularly intelligent man. He learned to speak an incredible 13 different languages, oh, dang. became a really widely respected historian, writing numerous books, articles, and doing a lot of commissioned work. Anatoly also had some niche interests. Interests like <clears throat> making dolls, collecting books, magic, and necropoly. Do you know much about necropoly? I'm guessing the necro means dead. Okay. You're uh, right. Like collecting dead things? Good guess. Um, it's actually the study of a necropolis. And a necropolis... Don't use the word in the definition. Well, hold on. <laughs> a necropolis is anywhere that holds dead bodies. So a cemetery, a tomb, a oh, pyramid. Okay. And that's what he's interested in. Yes. Yeah, so he studies the places that hold these dead bodies. Okay. So, again... Ancient tombs, pyramids, mummies, any of that, mm -hmm. they're all in a necropolis, and that's what he's interested in. Anatoly was a self-dubbed necropolist, meaning that he would study all of this. Um, and now, from what we know about Anatoly so far, how are you feeling about him? I'm not loving the doll thing. Okay, But fair. I also think Jeff Dunham's funny, and he hangs out with dolls. So, True. I guess, you know, all in moderation fair and we sit and talk about people getting killed all the time and stuff yeah. so I, c I guess i can't judge him too hard on the whole like dead people thing fair and like you know i i too am into the what do they say in um beetlejuice the dark and unusual the strange and unusual i get that um i think 13 different languages insane yeah that's amazing i do think it's a little interesting to be a self-dubbed necropolist but say lovey you know? So Anatoly found his niche and expertise in Necropoly. 
He actually ended up getting commissioned to go through cemeteries throughout Russia. And I believe this commission was like to be in over 750 different cemeteries in his region. Oh, geez. Collecting information about the graves, the people that were there, how they're housed, how they're stored, that, that kind of thing. Like he was really doing historian's work. And something that does make me giggle is that there is like a um, an elitist necropolist thing where if you don't know who is in a grave, it's if it's an unmarked grave, if you're a true necropolist, you will dig the body up to see who it is to learn more about them. Oh, okay. To like ask them? Mm-hmm. Sure. Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> you're looking a little bare bones there. Anyway. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> so um it was it's pretty intense he did a lot of that and actually there was a weekly newspaper called the necrologies and it called anatoly's contribution priceless like okay plot twist he wrote that probably he's the only <laughs> one that reads it i know i do think it's funny that there was enough of a, a need for a weekly necropoly newsletter there wasn't but here we are (laughs) so come 2009 there's a lot of graves of muslim girls that are being vandalized and dug up now in 2009 in russia there's there was like this huge really big um islamophobia like muslim fear basically i think there were some terrorist attacks in russia as well but i know that like Global events probably also helped (laughs) further that. Like we had 9-11, things like that, that definitely did not help any of that um, reputation, if you will. So when they saw that these graves of girls were all Muslims, the immediate response was to start putting on heavier police forces, people that were trained in terrorist attacks, people that were trained like specially for this kind of thing. Now, if you might remember, Anatoly was supposed to be in 750 cemeteries in his region, commissioned. He was being paid to do this. And to do this because, again, it's early out of Soviet Union Russia, which is somehow even worse than Soviet Union Russia, (laughs) Um, according to my Russian professor, I'll say. He was walking everywhere. He would walk like 30 kilometers, I think, kilometers. Kilometers. Um, which I did the equation because we're Americans here. And uh, that's over 18 miles a day to go through these cemeteries on foot. Hmm. Um, he was he was pretty into it. But because he was there, he was questioned by police mm. a lot. Like they'd be like, bro, what are you doing in this cemetery? Chillax and relax and all cool. Hanging out with the dead people outside of the school. And Anatoly would be like, listen, I know it's weird. Um, I am a scholar. This is what I do. I'm a historian. I write for this newspaper. Here we are. And they'd always let him go because everything checked out. He always was working on something. Um, but it was strange to always find a man wandering in cemeteries. You know? Yes. Um, actually, interesting. And I hate that I kind of relate to this. But two of the columns that he had in these necrologies newsletters were beautiful walks in cemeteries, which yeah. I was like, I kind of get if it's a nice, well-kept place. Like it could be nice walking around nature and being around like spooky, spooky stuff. Um, the other one, not so relatable, but it was kind of funny because it's the title is something along the lines of like what the dead said. Oh, so he was truly living his necropolis dream. I also just want to throw out here that I think this is a good time to say Anatoly also liked magic. He liked black magic, the occult to be exact. Uh, um, and I think that he kind of liked being around uh, spooky yuki shit that maybe he could uh, play around with. See if that worked with any of his occult interests. Sounds like more of why his interest was there. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, we, the pieces just keep coming together. I'll tell you that. Mm. So first in 2009, again, when everything started happening, the, Russia cracked down on law enforcement and added a lot of people who specialized in terrorist attacks. 
As discrimination against Muslims and Islamophobia, again, were crazy rampant in Russia at the time. They noticed, though, come 2011, when that hadn't started to change anything, they were like, maybe this is not the approach. Because little girls' graves are still being vandalized. They're still having disrespect. What are we going to do? So they actually thought to seek out Anatoly's help. They were like, oh, wait, the fucking cemetery guy. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll check that out. So the Russian police, and no, not the KGB, uh, knocked on Anatoly's door like, hello. Um, and upon their investigation, they saw a pigsty of a place. Like, I mean, like, hoarders needs help pigsty of a place. And Italy's apartment is covered. It's covered in books. There's trash everywhere. There's piles of clothing. There's dolls. And what is initially just going to be a regular questioning pretty immediately turned Anatoly into a suspect. I get that. Now, to do something we have not yet done before on this podcast, um, I'm going to show Allie a photo of what this crazy-ass man's apartment looked like and just get an honest reaction um, that is the crack inside the door. Ew. Yep. Ugh. Can you describe what you're seeing? Uh, well, I can't really because you can't see much of anything because there's so much shit. Yeah. Um, the floor is just literally covered in, is that pillows? <laughs> and trash? Clothes? There's a bookcase? Yeah. I can smell it and yeah. I'm across the world. So that's what he's living in. Okay. Um, Which is pretty gross. Correct. Now, Anatoly loved dolls. He collected many, remember? Mm. Um, between those that were Barbie-esque, and <laughs> Russia didn't have Barbie, but Barbie-esque dolls, like little plastic, you know, maybe foot big dolls. Um, he had a bunch of those, and he also had handmade dolls that were like mm, three to four feet tall. Ugh. Not sex dolls, but what I will do is I'm going to show Allie a photo of one of them, one of these handmade dolls, and I am going to get your honest reaction to that. Oh, oh my <laughs> God, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, um, here's a full body. It's like if you took one of those... Um, Oh, what are they? They're really expensive, like American Girl dolls. Mm -hmm. Melted the face with wax. Yeah. Threw like Play-Doh on it. Yeah. And left it outside in a Russian winter. Yep. And but like pretended to dress it for the Russian winter. And That's it's it. weird because it's like real people clothes on this doll, and the close up of the face, it's like bad makeup is done. <laughs> terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So. Well, I didn't need to see that, Abby. <laughs> they obviously look fucked up. <laughs> but what might have been initially misconstrued as a man who was simply not creative enough to make a good-looking doll <laughs> could quickly be seen as something much more sinister. Yeah, that's what I'm leaning toward. Not only did they find the man with the world's creepiest doll collection... <laughs> and that's hard to beat. also found a pair of boots... And you want to know what's special about these boots. I have a guess. They match the footprints around all of the graves that were dug up and vandalized. Oh, I was going to say it was going to be Olga's boots. No, I wish. I would have been wrong. That would have been a little more helpful to figuring out who actually took Olga from us. Um, but on November 2nd, 2011, Anatoly Moskvin was arrested. There was a lot of fucking damning evidence. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, first, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, come mm -hmm. on. Um, not only is he super into cemeteries, he's into weird dolls. They're the size of small children. And he had piles of children's clothes in his home. Ew. Um, second, the police found somewhere between <clears throat> 24 to 29 handmade dolls. That's a lot of dolls. According to various reports, depends on what you read, 24 to 29. Can we just say, if you enjoy doing something, I think that's really cool. But what have you made? 
24 to 29 of that you've that are massive that you've kept in your home absolutely nothing and you know what else i would venture to say Mm. if i'm that into this if i'm that that into this and i'm like oh my god i love making dolls um why would i not work on one until i've pretty much perfected my process instead of making 29 fucking ugly horrid looking things yes (laughs) you know what i mean like Uh, if it was like 29 professionally looking like American Girl doll come to life looking things, I'd be like, you know what? Hats off to that man. He's got a craft. But there this man go. does not have a craft. That is not what this is. <laughs> no, this man has an illness. Yes. Um, more crazy and a little bit nauseating was that many of these fucked up dolls um, looked fucked up, right? But even more so... They had more fucked up things inside of them. Um. So Russian authorities opened or moved some of the dolls. They were horrified to realize that many of them had music boxes or recorders in them. So when you moved them, they spoke. (gasps) Or played music. (laughs) I hate that. Further... In looking inside of these dolls, it became quite clear that, in fact, they were mummified bodies of little girls. (gasps) Mostly between the ages of 3 and 15. Uh, ah. One even had a dried human heart in her chest cavity. (gasps) It should be noted... Um, That even though there were only 24 to 29 full dolls found, it's believed that Anatoly dug up over 150 graves, 150, to get all of the clothing and parts that he needed for this. (sighs) Ew, I'm nauseous. That's so gross. And he just kept that as a home. Yeah. So before we talk too much more, I think this is an appropriate time. To talk about a traumatic experience Anatoly had as a child. Nothing makes this okay. Um, Do you want to know how I know about this traumatic experience? Why don't you just tell me? He fucking published it in the Necrologies newsletter. Oh. He put this in writing. Someone else saw it and was like, yeah, that'll do. That's content. So when Anatoly was like a child, somewhere between the ages of like 7 to 12, Uh. he was walking home. I don't know from where, but he was passed by a bunch of men in black suits. Okay. The men were like, ah, little boy, not doing anything. You're coming with us. Your classmate has died. This is true. Okay. He has a classmate has died. They bring him to the classmate's funeral. It's very small. There's like not a lot of people there. Ah, small child. You doing anything on this beautiful Sunday? No? Okay. (laughs) Well, do we have fun plans for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they go over to her her place, and she's in her casket. It's an open casket funeral for this child. I don't know how she died. Um, And the men force him to kiss her. There is... At least in Celtic folklore, and I think in some Russian folklore, this whole idea that if a child dies before it is able to marry, you can perform a wedding of sorts at its funeral. So Anatoly kisses this corpse again and again and again. Okay, did someone throw him the fuck out of there? No, that is what they wanted. And they put a ring on his finger. So he believed at the age of like seven that he was married to a dead girl. Were her parents like, can you get the fucking kid out of here? The mom gave him the ring. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. What year up is cuckoo this? banana pants. No. Um, it, 1970s. No. Towards the end of the Soviet Union. Fall of the Soviet no. Union. Yeah. 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 No. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. So he actually. She's like, you look like a good son-in-law. And he fucking publishes this. 
he had a newsletter and he was like it was pretty helpful it got me interested in a bunch of like dead people <sighs> what? <sighs> what and they were like this work is priceless this is a priceless contribution to us the necrologists of <sighs> russia like ah yes you are a good representative of our team thank god for anatoly and his trauma dumping ass like <laughs> so forward again back to 2011 anatoly's flat was also found to have dedicated meticulous logs of who these girls were what their lives were like when their birthdays were he even had a few where he took the nameplate from their headstone and put it in the dolls to, like, be their internal, like, that's their name. Uh, yeah. Um, creepier still. Why did you pick this one? <laughs> um, his house slash flat had an instructional on how to make the dolls. Sequentially That's a laid out. No one asked for. First, he would take the bodies back home in a plastic bag, before stuffing them with rags to preserve it. Um, he would also preserve the bodies with a simple baking soda and salt mix yeah. to mummify. Simple. Then he would wrap the skin in nylon stockings or similar <gasps> fabric, and lastly, the dolls would get buttons put over their eyes. No buttons. Do you want to know why? Because the eyes rotted out? No, so that they could watch cartoons with him. What in the Coraline shit yeah, is this? That is exactly what he said. That is a quote. The buttons were so that the girls could watch cartoons with him. So, Anatoly, when speaking about this, refers to the dolls as his children. He says that he just wanted to be a father, but never had a relationship and was too poor for the Russian authorities to let him adopt. I wonder why you didn't have a relationship. So instead, he took to this. Anatoly said he took care of them, that he watched cartoons with them. To date, he still refuses to apologize to any of the families for what he did. Oh, you sick fuck. Including... Olga Chartimova's family, whom he terrorized for nine years. Just because. He had dug up that grave by the time the first letter came. And had put it like kind of all back. Mm -hmm. So it looked. Uh. Natalia and Igor had no idea that they were visiting an empty grave for their daughter for nine years. Oh, that hurts my heart. Now, before he was taken into custody or charged to be frank, I'm not super familiar with Russia's criminal justice system. Um, Anatoly said that they shouldn't even bother reburying the girls. As when he got out, he'd just dig them up again. Well, there's a way we can solve that. Yeah. Um, according to the New York Times, he said, and I quote, These girls are girls. There are no parents in my view. I don't know any of them. Besides, they buried their daughters. I brought them in from the cold. I Ugh. believe their rights were over when they buried them. So, no, I would not apologize. Wow. Now, obviously, there's some mental health we got going on here. You don't say. So, Anatoly was put in a psychiatric care. Um, obviously, he is incredibly mentally ill. But after a psychological examination showed that he had paranoid schizophrenia, um, and they extended his treatment before the trial three separate times for a year, which would mean three total years before he was even in the trial. They finally determined that Anatoly was not mentally fit for trial and would spend the rest of his days in a psychiatric hospital. Seems fitting. Something I wanted to add here. Um, Anatoly also says that he did not do anything wrong because all of the girls consented to being dug up um, as he practiced occult magic and he believed that he could speak to their souls through their bodies well, and that's they sweet. all wanted that and he would set them up so that when he left for work they would be doing things he would change them like change their clothes he would watch cartoons with them so he's saying they had a good time 
And yep. what are you pissed about? He was a very involved um, mummified girl doll parent. Well, I am completely nauseous. Oddly enough, out of all of this, um, there was literally no reason they were all Muslim. That happened. That just happened to be the case. At least through all of my knowledge. So they spent two years following one tip off from this collection of victims that had absolutely nothing to do with any of it. And they'd question the guy that did it hundreds of times. They asked for his help. Yeah. I don't think they actually got to the point of asking for help, but I think that's where they were going. So in 2018, he was posed no longer a threat to society. Bullshit. But amidst his request to leave the psychiatric unit and go home, which, by the way, um, was so that he could get married. Mm. He never had a relationship beforehand, but apparently there's something about the uh, Russian psych unit that really does it for this girl. Um, The doctors changed their minds. (laughs) That, that, That makes sense. So once again, all of the court proceedings were halted due to the doctor's updated decision. And in 2019, it was decided that the doctors could do whatever treatment on him that they saw fit. Okay. Which I kind of agree with. Um, recently, I think 2019 or 2020, Anatoly was up for potential release, asking to be let go so he could, again, now get married. Um, and we thank every higher being that Anatoly's request was denied. Correct. But Natalia Chardimova has been at every single hearing to make sure that it was known. Not only did this man take her daughter, but then terrorized her and her husband for the next nine years. Natalia said, we had her for 10 years. He had her for nine. Uh. Last notes here. Um, he is still currently in a psychiatric unit. Um, and taking a page out of Denise's book, mm. if you listen to that episode earlier, there is a Russian, I believe, rap song called Anatoly Moskvin. No. <laughs> yeah, you can find it on Spotify. <laughs> no. So, um, Anatoly Moskvin, the uh, Russian doll maker. That was so fucked up. Right? That's so fucked up. Right? Ew. Yeah. Wait, so were those faces, like, the girls' faces? Or were they, yeah. it was just parts of them? So, it was their faces um, after being treated with that, like, baking soda salt mix and then wrapped in nylon and then he'd put makeup on top of it. Okay, so that's why it didn't actually look like a person. Yeah, that's why it looks so fucked up. But underneath it really is their remains yep that is so sad um do you want to know something crazier even than what you just told me i don't know (laughs) he had favorites um and i said there was a trigger warning for necrophilia he always denies any sexual relations with them um he might just be a very very mentally ill man who wanted children um he also was never in a relationship and i hate to like assert any sort of assumptions on that but i could assume that if there were and there was a need there was a place to have that met um mm. nasty gross icky um but imagine being the doll that was like his n- least favorite like he kept some in the garage like somewhere in his room somewhere like i mean they were all over his apartment there's like 20 plus you know but like somewhere mm-hmm. in his room those were his favorites and then they were like a- around the house like decor and then there were some in the fucking garage i'd be like i didn't consent to getting dug up for you to like sh- chuck me out in the garage in the rush of cold yeah, for you to decide later that you didn't like me as much put me back dick like <laughs> yeah Ugh. so because obviously that's quite fucked up I did have just a fun little reprieve and response, if you will. Okay. Now, obviously it's fucked up. And not necessarily as, like, gruesome or terrifying malicious as others, but, like, it's sensitive and it's also, like, really fucked up. Uh, yeah. So I thought with all of that shit about Russia, I'd give you something, little fun facts that I learned that I thought were funny about Russia. Well, all right. The first is that it wasn't until 2011 that they considered beer to be alcohol. Mm. 
uh, they knew it was alcohol, but it was classified as quote unquote food stuff. <laughs> no, not food, not stuff, food stuff. <laughs> um, the oh. second, uh, which actually is sustainability win, Soviet cars made between 1930 and 1950 lasted many Russian citizens their entire lifetime. A car journalist actually said that the metal was so thick coming off of those assembly lines that they were, quote unquote, resistant to erosion. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Um, Three, awareness for my queer peeps. This one is not so fun, but a fun fact, if you will. Um, It is and was, well, it was and I think may still be illegal to be queer in Russia. Um, Who's surprised? We barely exist as is. But not that it's really better now. It's still illegal to call gay relationships normal. Um, And because this is particularly near and dear to my heart, please consider donating to the Rainbow Railroad, which is an organization that helps LGBTQ plus people escape state-sponsored violence. Um, This also does include in Russia. And also please consider donating to the Human Rights Campaign, which aids not only in helping those of us in the alphabet soup, but helps relief for those in Ukraine as well, which is another concern near and dear to the ATFTC fam hearts. I'll make sure both of those are linked below. Okay, back to funny. Um, There is a ban on heavy metal music. Okay. Yeah, um, I guess that like communism be so fragile that like listening to iron maiden might take down their entire structures like, no this is workout music literally you get strong and fight me you can't do it yeah and they're like Mm-mm, no Cla- classical that has nothing. too many anti anti-communism phrases in it you no. can't listen to it no heavy metal no. um and lastly apparently russia used to use very bad staples in their passports This is interesting to me and something that I find to be a very fun fact because specifically in the USSR, if there were American secret agents going over to Russia and posing as Russians, they would be caught if they used American staples because our stainless steel staples were so much better quality. Interesting. The more you know. Imagine a staple giving you away. That I would be so pissed. I would riot. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Ugh. This? Of all things. Um, But I thought that that was a very interesting true crime case. Still true crime. Still creepy. Still spooky. Um, A little less malicious. But people that were already dead. So A little. Um, And very, very fucked up. And the totally Moscovine. Ugh. (laughs) Ya j'ai vu vieux New England. (laughs) I, I said, I live in New England. That's. I'm just uncomfortable. Menya Zavut Abby. Yeah, your name's Abby. Menya Abby. (laughs) (laughs) We won't be doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's fine. Um. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what a ride. Right. right. Um, I thought that was a a fun, a fun, weird one. Very weird. Um, Also, disturbing. This man spoke 13 languages. He could have done more with his life. He should have done more with his life. And not for nothing, I want to know if that necrology's newsletter is still running. Who's Absolutely reading that? not. I think he was the only necrologist. There was at least one other person. Says who? Him? I mean, he got commissioned to do work. There was like, follow the he money. He paid himself. Yeah, with what money? It's Russia. <laughs> exactly. But he didn't get paid. <laughs> um, there were reports of him like sleeping in the like in the cemeteries and at one point i think they said that he slept in like a casket that was prepared for a funeral the next day okay ew which i'm like i would not be comfortable doing that that's somebody else's final resting place like he gives a shit he removes them from their final resting place i know he doesn't give a shit he snatches them from there and that totally must have been bolshevik you know um i will show you a photo of him i think he looks exactly how you'd expect him to look okay because i'm picturing him as like absolutely grotesque um i don't think you're entirely wrong yeah he looks more normal than i thought he would well also keep in mind 
He was a man of prominence. He couldn't have been like incredibly ugly. Because unfortunately in this world that that is like something that aids somebody in getting a reputation. He wrote books like he was a well-respected historian. Which is kind of an insane fall from that pedestal to be like the doll maker. And that's why you shouldn't make your hobbies your job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. They're so terrifying. They're so creepy. But this is what he looks like now. I feel like he looks more realistic as a creep now that he's been in a psych yeah, unit for a while. He's more ghoulish now. Um, but what a time to be alive. What a time, what a time. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That was bad. That was, it was awful. And yuckies. Oh, last update for you all. Okay. The last ones. Olga's family mm. got Olga back. Okay. They were able to move her gravesite and devastatingly, um, I think, in my opinion, still silver lining, they have kept her in an unmarked grave in hopes that if he were to ever get out, it makes her harder to find. Oh. So, hooray that they have their daughter back and they can grieve in a way that they deem appropriate and feels right. Um. I think she should be allowed to have a nameplate, but I also understand not feeling comfortable with that until he is gone. I also can't imagine a world where he gets out. I can't, but you know what? Crazy shit happens every day. I know. Um, I mean, this man literally dug up bodies, mummified them, and turned them into dolls that he watched cartoons with. I wonder what cartoons... Like Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> I feel like he watched like the kids show. Like whatever the Russian equivalent of like PBS is. Yeah. Um, so a fun fact actually about my time in a Russian class. Uh, we watched a lot of Russian media. Mm-hmm. As part of it. Like we'd watch a movie or whatever. See what you, whatever you could like pick up on. Keep up with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. This might just be my Russian professor. But her sense of humor was so fucked. It was so bad. We watched like this undoubted like tragedy of a movie. It was not a pleasant movie. It was like three generations of women that were living in like extreme poverty in Russia. One of the children and I say children, she was like a teen, but like children found out that they're pregnant. So it was about to be four generations in one teeny tiny like Russian flat. One of them ends up like trigger warning, attempting to take their own life. And she's cackling. She's like, this is so funny, this shit. Yeah. And I'm like, this no. is such good media. This is not- entertainment at its finest. Ma'am. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So that was a whole experience. She also taught me a very valuable life lesson, which mm-hmm. is that if you go to the circus, you don't get front row seats. I suppose in Russia, the circus is a big thing still. That's like a big um, entertainment uh-huh. for them. Um, and the thing about the circus is that they have camels and llamas. And the thing about llamas is that they, they spit. spit. So they got super cheap front row tickets. And she was like, this is amazing. Why would anybody not You're take in the these? Splash zone. Yeah. She said they left and they like needed towels. Like, Ew. Yeah. Icky. Ew. Is it good to be the llama's favorite or least favorite? I guess you don't know. Um, I'd rather be the llama's anything over Anatoly Moskvin's anything. So <laughs> you got me there. Yeah. Yeah. Better to be a llama's least favorite than his favorite. So that's true. Um, but yeah, so if you guys wanted to see this fucked up atrocity of in arts and crafts gone wrong, you can do that on our Instagram. You should have just done paper mache. Right? Um, probably would have gone better. So if you do that on our Instagram, you can look it up in that little search bubble. It would be about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that would be A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. If you wanted to, once again, scream into the void, tell us how much you loved and or hated this story and or Anatoly Moskvin, if you will, 
or send us like pod pets or like case requests or just like a little note about how much you love us and like are glad that our tech issues have resolved for the moment you could definitely do that via email but Allie where would they email if you wanted to email us you could send that to about time the number four tc at gmail.com so that's a-b-o-u-t-t-i-m-e numeric four tc at gmail.com and we are so excited to see you there uh as always please rate review subscribe check in give us that five star review if you like what you're hearing download some episodes share to a friend um if you feel like being really nuts you could uh repost some of our instagram stuff to your story and like freak your friends out with how weird this guy's dolls look um and really that's all we can ask for we love you all so much the atftc fam would not be the same without you so we are glad you're here and i think that's that's what i got today yeah, that's all I got. I yeah. think if I take a quick little gander at my watch, that was about time for true crime. Bye. Bye. That's the Danya.